I'm with John Sanfilippo, uh, owner and producer of Titan Sound, and he's actually mixing the audio of this podcast that you're hearing right now. And if you go to a previous episode, episode one, and kind of listen to the difference in the overall aesthetic of um, the audio you're listening to right now, I think it's evidence and proof and point that audio production is both a necessary and quite enjoyable thing to have uh, when you're doing any kind of media to release to public. So it's going to be a fun conversation. I look forward to uh, seeing your thoughts there. That's a lot of pressure to put a guy under. Exactly. (laughs) Hey, everyone. Welcome to the VetCast. I'm joined today by John Sanfilippo, owner and producer at Titan Sound. And we're going to have a conversation today about audio production, video production, kind of how they intertwine. And John, great to have you on the show. Thank you. Nice to sort of be here. So I wanted to jump into uh, kind of how these two worlds collide and of audio production and video production. But usually speaking to videographers, audio is almost this happenstance, the thing you think of at the very end of the production. Yet it's so important. We just worked on a short film and partnered up with uh, an audio producer and he did a custom score for the project and he basically leveled our project from something that conceptually was feeling good to uh, an entirely different product. And that was really my first experience of seeing how uh, a dedicated audio professional in their own right can add so much to these projects. My business is almost inherently collaborative. A lot of the things that I do don't function independently. Some of them do like podcasts and radio commercials and things like that. But uh, a lot of it is voiceover that has to go somewhere else. And of course, uh, post-production audio, which is sort of the big thing that we're talking about here. And you're right. There are so many video people and filmmakers who are very focused, hyper-focused on the visual component. And they should be because there's so much happening. And I've been on shoots. It's uh, it's a huge process, uh, you know, sometimes involving lots and lots of people. So when you get to the, the audio portion, especially Especially in the post-production phase, uh, you know you've you've done all this production, you've edited, uh, and then it's you just want to get it out. But um, the the audio is half the finished product, and sure. it rarely gets the time and attention that it needs. Um, so and and it does. It, it's just an added dimension to your product. And even if you the audio is there, there are so many ways to enhance it that that people are just either they they don't think about it, they don't want to think about it, or they just don't have the time to do it. Um, and uh, there are so many projects that you know that I've been lucky to work on, but I mean, just so many things that are out there where the sound was just so crucial. Um, yeah. Between even something as simple as just the processing and the editing and the mixing, but uh, then there are sound effects, there are custom sound effects, which just add that add a lot of texture and three dimensionality. Sure. Uh, you mentioned music, the scoring is huge. That's not something I do a whole lot of, but I mean, that's, that's a big thing, obviously, in taking it to the next level. Totally. Like I noticed with a video that we just did last week, we just wanted to do a creative project, just getting a little impact hit for when our logo appeared on screen, even using some sound alone made it more, far more impactful than just putting it on visually. And that's something that I personally think of the visuals first, right? And yeah. you, d- you almost leave that 
um, to a second thought, but then you see how powerful it is. It says, well, I should have done every freaking video like that. What have I been doing? Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you say you go for visuals first. And in fact, most people do, uh, because sight tends to be the primary sense sure. and sound tends to kind of work second to that. Um, and, and you could look at that and say, you know, and see it as a disadvantage uh, mm. when you're working with sound. But it's if you use it right, it's actually a great advantage because uh, with visuals, with sights, it's very easy to kind of turn away, whereas sound is just ubiquitous. It's much easier to not look at something than it is to not hear something. Like yes. You hear something even if you're not listening. Mm-hmm. So th- there's there's a great advantage there, um, and also the the visual um, sort of environment in terms of branding and, and just in general is very cluttered. Whereas uh, sound, in terms of brand, uh, is relatively unexplored territory. Yeah. And I always say that when we are branding with sound, we're we're engaging people on a more passive level. And and I always liken it to trying to get into a busy club. You know, you've sure. got you've got a couple of bouncers at the door, you've got a line all around the block, you've got all this this input trying to get in, right? Yeah. Reaching people on this kind of passive subconscious level is like sneaking in the back door, right? <laughs> uh, they didn't necessarily, you know, hear or see you come in, but you're there and your presence is is undeniable. I love that. That's a perfect analogy. So tell me a little bit about how you started your company, Titan Sound, and um, just kind of the services you offer, and uh, let's get into audio production. Uh, I started Titan Sound in 2012, and it was uh, originally I was just going to do uh, like broadcast products, kind of like what I had been doing before, but uh, I kept finding new things I could do with it. Ideally, when you start a business, you kind of want to be very sort of specific and specialized, but I, I didn't have any direct competition, at least not locally. Um, so there was a great opportunity to diversify. So it became kind of a confluence of my experience in media and advertising. Uh, and also I'm, I've been a musician for most of my life. So that came into it as well. I uh, describe Titan Sound as being audio branding and production. So mm. the production's more on the technical side. We do things like uh, voiceovers. Uh, you must mentioned uh, post-production work. I do a lot of work with video production companies such as yourself and animators. Um, I do a lot of work with, uh, I do a lot of commercial work. Uh, we even do um, uh, professionally voiced phone uh, greetings for business phone. No uh, way. And that, that's when you know you've made it is when you put <laughs> on hold and it's your own voice. I wanted to ask what's in your toolkit. Um, what is your favorite studio mic and why? Oh boy. Uh, well, probably, <laughs> probably the one behind me. Can I bring this into frame? Hang on. Yeah, you got it. Can you see it? Yes. Okay. So this is the, uh, the Neumann U87. Uh, and this is like one of the sexiest mics out there. It's, it's just <laughs> wonderful. Uh, y- you see them everywhere. Um, you know, if you ever see footage of a recording session, there's probably one of these, Sure. in the shot. Um, and they've been used for, for decades. And that's the amazing thing about a lot of audio equipment 
like a lot of the stuff that was good, like 40, 50 years ago, a lot of it is still just as good, if not better than the current stuff. And, and so when you look at your audio production process, like uh, describe to me what a typical process would be for a commercial video. That's a good question because the process changes depending on who I'm working with and sure. what's going to happen down the line. Because um, if it's a project, um, say we're doing a voiceover for a, um, a video production company such as yourself. Um, if I know that I'm also going to be doing the post-production audio after, then I will send the voiceover edited but unprocessed so mm. that way once i have the music and i have the visuals and i have all the other audio elements i'm able to process it with all those other elements as opposed to just kind of guessing and trying to <laughs> dummy proof the mix as as much as possible because that's the other thing is if i'm just sending it out and i'm not going to be working with it later then it is just kind of okay how can i dummy proof the processing so exactly. it's just i don't know where it's going to end up i don't know what's playing with it we'll just send it clean and full and very you know usable i suppose that's the same thing in video you got to know what wh where is this product going to live and what's the process to get it there um the more flexibility you have throughout the whole process just uh, it gives you a lot more uh, freedom but do you have to adjust what you're doing uh in post for for different sort of formats and different um, um platforms Absolutely. Like we've noticed, um, I'll use the first example, Vimeo to YouTube, you know, Vimeo can accept these .mov wrapper, um, 422 codec videos, you know, Apple ProRes and its treatment of color grading is a lot more precise. I would say though, the most common thing we get is just recropping and resizing everything. And it is a little bit frustrating at this point because really the end result that wasn't discussed maybe on the project is they really want this for an Instagram ad and to promote it. And you're starting to crop images and treat the image in a different way than maybe your vision on set. So another example of why pre-production is so important, but I would say that's the difficulty we have in the industry. But you know, we, the whole industry is learning. Uh, I do think though, the tripod heads basically flipped inverted 90 degrees would be a, a huge <laughs> asset in uh, the tool, tool chest for most videographers. <laughs> I can see this discussion turning into a mutual therapy session uh, <laughs> yeah, just over exactly. the, the coming minutes. Uh, but no, I think that's a challenge with anybody that works in the media is you have you have this like enhanced sensitivity to your work, right? You hear things and you see things that no one is ever going to sure. pick up on. Most of those nuances your audience is oblivious to. We were listening to some of your before and after videos and we're blown away because our ears, the way we're picking this up, you're showing me the before. I'm like, that's a, that's a damn near half decent mix, you know, for, for, for my <laughs> skill level. And then you listen to the after, after you've treated it. And it's just amazing what you can get of there. The, the nice bright highs. And, um, you know, if you're working with certain voices, you, you hear that really human bassy undertone as well. It's, it's so cool. I just, I have a lot of respect for what you do and you're good at well, it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate that you can tell the difference, too, because <laughs> not not everyone has that sensitivity. So to have someone in the business with the sensitivity, that goes a long way. 
So thanks again for tuning in to our second episode of the VetCast. John, it was absolutely great to have this conversation. I learned a lot and thank you for your time. I'd, I'd really like to have on the show more people that uh, bring their wealth of knowledge and expertise and we can kind of shine a light on the marketing industry, the media industry, and just learn a bit more. So th- thank you so much. Andrew, thank you. This was fun. All right. Until next time. See ya.